Books, The Final Frontier. These are the discussions of the podcast Sword and Laser, its continuing mission to explore strange new science fiction and fantasy novels, to seek out new characters and new beverages, to boldly read where no one has read before. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to join the mission. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. That was just an involuntary so much more, but then I thought maybe we could be like those radio uh, promotions where they're like always have the little whispery echo, you know, Friday, Friday, Friday. So like, how would that, how would that work? Should I try again? Yeah. So, all right. So you just do your thing. I'm just okay. going to read it normal. Sword and Laser is a book club, but book it's club, so much more. Book club, book club, book club, book club. Just a little book club, huh? Book club. You book do club. what? Did you, you said you were just going to let me do my thing. All right. All right. Okay. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. More, 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 more. You're supposed to just let me do it. I did. Oh, you want me to keep going? <laughs> oh, I thought you were. Okay. No, we're we're done. We're good. We're good. We're good. I felt like that was the take. I felt like that was it. That was a take. That was a good take. Yeah. Good good work, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. (laughs) Um, Are you drinking anything this evening? No, I'm not. I had water with dinner. It was. It's a boring day for me, drinks wise. I almost had my creamy mango soda, uh, which I get at the Japanese market, and I stockpiled it because we don't live as near to the market anymore. And I don't want to drink my last one until I'm really sure mm-hmm. it's the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that I can't get more, but it's not as easy as. Well, it you need to, to know that there's more in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to go sure. through a dry spell with that. No, no, indeed. Um, I'm not drinking anything either. I'm still Mayor Girdington of Girdtown. Oh, but is it better? Yeah, I would say it's it's a lot better. It's manageable now. I'm on everyday medicine, and it's just kind of. But I've not been great with my diet, so. Like I had a glass of, I, I have found that white wine is the least mm. inflammatory thing really? that I can drink, okay. so which mm. I hate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, rose? <laughs> could you? Split uh, the rose is like really straddling the line uh, there. Okay. Um, all right. All right. I don't hate white wine. I hate a you lot have of to white wines. Gird yourself for Gotta white gird, wine. Then gird my loins for yeah. A lot, a nice of, a lot of those blog. jokes going on these days. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> all right. Well, let's then jump into the quick burns. Pujashri uh, pointed out that uh, Cersei by Madeline Miller has been optioned for a TV series uh, saying, looks like Real Housewives of the Aegean is a go. Yes. Uh, now, Pujashri, don't forget to put links in uh, when, when you post these things, but awesome uh, uh, announcement. And, and we, we found the link to Madeline Miller's actual Instagram post mm-hmm. uh, where she says, toasting some thrilling news with my trusty water bottle. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is, you know, options are not the same as production. We get that, but it's very exciting. Indeed. I will definitely be watching that if it happens. Yep. Um, yeah. And then Eric says, Mistborn era two novel, the lost metal is getting delayed in favor of finishing the skyward trilogy. Mm. Mm, that mm. happens sometimes. Yes, according to uh, the 17th shard.com, uh, they say yesterday uh, Brandon turned in the second draft to the sequel of Skyward. This is good news as he said that he sure. had to yeah, that he had to scrap large chunks of Skyward too. Um they go on to talk a little bit more about wasn't he planning to write The Lost Metal, the last Wax and Wayne book before January? 
Well, Brandon's been saying at signings that it might not happen. In this tweet, Brandon says, I do promise to find time for the last Wax and Wayne book somewhere, too. So, fingers crossed. Well, Branderson fans, let us know how you feel about this. Branderson? I was waiting to see if if that worked. (laughs) I don't hate it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the Branderson fans have. To say. <laughs> yes. uh, Tom pointed out that Amazon has given the green light to a series based on Robin Jordan's Wheel of Time series. Speaking of Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. uh, showrunner Rafe Judkins has been tweeting teasers as he writes the scripts. We've had uh, people pointing those out in the Goodreads forum as well, and uh, we've been following those with great interest. Uh, sometimes he'll like tweet a picture of the title page of, of the, the episode that he's working on, which is pretty cool. And production is now expected to begin in 2019 with a possible air date of the wheel of time series on prime video coming in 2020. Oh boy. And as also a uh, part of this news, Jordan's publishers have also confirmed that wheel of time has now sold more than 90 million copies worldwide, possibly moving it back ahead of A Song of Ice and Fire, which had overtaken it earlier this year. And so now it might be back to reclaim its position as the biggest selling post-Tolkien. Tolkien? Mm -hmm. It's hard to say post-Tolkien. Yeah, it (laughs) sounds like a cereal. series. (laughs) Make post-Tolkien part of this complete breakfast. Mm -hmm. Delicious. (laughs) So anyway, that's, uh, that's pretty cool news as well. Also, I'm sorry. I'm now trying to imagine what post Tolkien would consist of. Uh, um, you know, like little marshmallow orcs. And, no, they're rings. They're just like Cheerios. <laughs> just rings. just Cheerios. <laughs> no, it's just one in the box. <laughs> it's just one. It's like it's it's not even that big. It's just it's just <laughs> it grows to fit your spoon. One ring to feed them all. Ah, that's the slogan. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um. This is mine. uh, This is mine. I get to read this one, and I'm excited about it. Dara Dara says the Dresden Files have also been optioned for TV. What? Now, there's Uh, also a tweet from Jim Butcher saying, don't believe everything you read on the uh, internet. And I can't tell if that's him saying, hey, folks, optioning does not mean production, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Uh, Or if it's the the deadline which deadline.com is actually very good at this stuff so when they say our sources tell us that fox 21 television studios has optioned the rights to the dresden files um they're probably got pretty solid information on that so i'm guessing jim butcher is just trying to temper enthusiasm like hey folks this does not mean that Harry Dresden's coming back tomorrow but it well, yeah. means that it could happen. some of you may be saying hey guys I already saw that TV show. It was a season of that on To which sci-fi. we would say, I actually loved it. I love that TV show. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like the only person, I think. I think I'm I the only know. person I who loved, loved it. it. Too. In fact, uh, the actor who played Harry Dresden is on Arrow now, and I can't stop seeing him as Dresden. Paul Blackthorn? No matter- sure. I, th- I believe that is his name. <laughs> Yes, that was a one, 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 uh, 12 episode series, one season. 
Um, sadly, I, I think it could have done. I think it could have done good things. It was a little cheesy. It was a little cheese ball. But, it had some you know, pretty great moments, though. Yeah, I thought especially so too. in the early episodes when they were setting up. Yeah, Paul Blackthorn. That's right. Tell us, tell us what you think. If you if you watched the original Dresden Files TV show, send us a tweet at Sword and Laser. Let us know if you were a fan as well, or if you thought it was a little too sci-fi cheese ball. It was back when sci-fi had a C in its name. That's right. Uh, and Joe Informatico pointed out that the Canadian Science Fiction and Fantasy Association has handed out the Prix Aurora Awards for Canadian literary and fan works that members of the CSFFA feel are exceptional this past weekend. And our recent sword and laser read, Jade City, took home Best Novel and fondly also tied for Best Young Adult Novel. Oh, fantastic. For EXO. That's very tied cool. Tied with uh, Elizabeth Witten, Houses of the Old Blood. Mm, and oh, another Fonda, what? And, oh, nothing. I just said, <laughs> oh, the old blood. Old blood is the best blood. Um, and also, I'm not sure if this is still true. I have to check. But uh, Fonda Lee uh, tweeted back on, this was, yeah, actually only about a few days ago, um, that her book, uh, Jade City, is being heavily discounted to induce more readers to give it a chance in advance of the sequel coming out. Mm. So if you didn't get it the first time around, I guess if we had only waited a few more months, you all could have reaped the benefits of this discount yeah. oops um michael yeah th- this is why i never put discount like if you put discounts in our quick burns thread and goodreads keep doing it that's great because it benefits other ris- listeners we probably won't put them on the show because by the time we get to them sometimes the discounts are over and yeah. stuff. so it's kind of chasing our tail but um since we brought it up michael's armored saint was on sale yesterday because queen of crows the sequel is now out so if you were thinking about jumping in on that train you can get that and get in on treat for that too. very cool All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And I wanted to share this uh, post from Trike called Time to Read. All it is, just a list of books, starting with Dawn, then Iron Sunrise, (laughs) Breakfast of Champions, Morning Star, Eleven Seas, The Gates of Noon, Naked Lunch, Midday Dreams. Okay. The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. Of course. The Long Afternoon of Earth. Dusk. Dinner. Dinner. Twilight. The Long Sunset. Nightfall. Midnight Riot. Long After Midnight. 3 a.m. Dusk or Dawn or Dawn or Day. Dusk or Dark or Dawn or Day. Oh, Dusk or Dark or Dawn or Day. I... I, Is Naked Lunch count? Why not? well, because I mean, it's definitely not like real life. So I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a nonfiction work. No, no, it's, it's quite not. Although William S. Burroughs might have. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Um, True. These are great. These are really great. This was just fun. I thought it was great. Um, maybe someday we could do a, a read off <laughs> of some of these. And if there's any we missed, although that is a pretty exhaustive list. Yeah. No, it'd be fun if people want to fill in the gaps uh, or, or alternative time. Four, five, titles. six, seven, eight, yeah. nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah. I feel like we need five more. We got some half hours in there, maybe. Yeah, you know. we, need, we need five more to fill in, fill in the, the 24 hours of the day. 8.15 to Yuma. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a fantasy sci-fi title. Eight, it's uh, 8.15, isn't it like three no I, I got the time time wrong. yeah something <laughs> yeah. time yeah, yeah whatever uh chris 
says, I didn't know where to put this. Sorry if it ended up in the wrong place. Boy, people do respect the robberator. It would mm-hmm. start out their <laughs> post that way. I'm looking for science fiction books that involve type one, two, or three civilizations written in the last 10 years. I've already read the Three Body Problem series. Thanks for any help you can give. Yes, and Rick, very helpfully, for those of us who didn't know what he was talking about, um, linked to the scale that Chris mentions uh, over on Wikipedia. It's called the Kardashev scale. Yeah, the Kardashian scale. (laughs) A type one civilization, also called a planetary civilization, can use and store all of the energy which reaches its planet from its parent star. I believe we talked about this in Bob. I think there was talk about this in Bob. Well, it's like the Dyson sphere is a... Uh, as an example of a type one civilization moving to type two, mm-hmm. uh, because they can ha- harness the energy radiated by its own star by the construction of a Dyson sphere. Yep. And then a type three civilization, also called a galactic civilization, can control energy on the scale of its entire host galaxy. Whoa. Whoa. We are not type one, right? Because we can't harness all the energy that comes from our star. Or can we now? <laughs> humans have not yet reached type one civilization. Physicist <laughs> and futurist Michio Kaku suggested that humans might attain type one status in 100 to 200 years. Oh, I used to be obsessed with Michio Kaku. Anyway, that's a yeah. talk we for remember another time. the restraining order. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what what kind of uh, what kind of uh, oh, yeah. recommendations we got here? I got distracted by thinking about Michio Kaku. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Rick goes on to say that Stephen Renenberg Renberg mapped space the mapped space books. Uh, the first, the mothership, is set nowish on Earth and is very good, but an introduction to the setting. The next three, starting with the Antarian Codex, are set in a galaxy with many levels of civilizations. Um, and then let's see. Trike I mean, says, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, well Trike, Trike mentions uh, the puppeteers are a solid type two. That's a Niven book. I, I think Ringworld might fit in here somewhere for him as well if he hasn't read it. Um, the newer books of puppeteers, though, are fairly recent. And what's uh, Joe Informatico? I don't know if you'd call Olaf Stapledon's titular star maker a three, four, or five, or essentially the creator, a god of all things, and thus beyond categorization, but there it is. Yeah, so isn't all right, looking back at the scale, galactic civilization. No, or don't know, no, technology. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like that's not I I it almost seems like is most sci-fi that we read kind of still in the type 1 civilization zone? Yeah, it's it's usually like uh the overpowerful aliens that you don't really react with much end up being Type like, two like the or three. others, for example, yeah. from Bob well, yeah, would be like, yeah, yeah, totally. Type because two. Type, type one shows up fairly regularly like, oh, we've solved the energy problem because we have solar now and that allows us to go into space. Hooray. But right. yeah, type two setting. Not so much. Not so much as is, is very cool. That's the other ones, though. Oh, that's, that's, that's good stuff. So, yes, yep. uh, jump in on this thread, folks. If you're sitting there like, yeah, but what you forgot to mention was this, uh, tell him. Go tell uh, us. All these 40 books. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then speaking of book recommendations, uh, Megan writes, female gearheads? Can the great hive mind recommend sci-fi or fantasy books with female gearheads, blacksmiths, engineers, and so forth? The only example I can think of right now is Kaylee from Firefly, but I'm sure there must be more out there. Kaylee from Firefly. Kylie? Kylie? I always forget. No, it's Kaylee. Kaylee is right. Yeah, it is Kaylee. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, she is totally a female gearhead. There's there's way more. There's way more. Than there's that, tons. Right? I'm trying to think of one that I read recently. From, oh, Naomi from The Expanse, of course. Yes. Yeah, well, that's... Thank you, John um, Nivitz. John Nivitz. says that. But I'm trying to think of one from a book that I read... Kizzy from uh, Long Way from to a Small Angry Planet. Fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't think of it right now. Cord from Anathem. I'd forgotten about Cord. Nicely, nicely done. Wait, yeah, John's all over it. Uh, nice. Excellent. Tinker from When Spencer's Tinker. <laughs> oh, uh, Genevieve LeFou from Gail Carriger Solis. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's another totally. great one. I love hmm. that. Oh, yeah. This this one's full of good recommendations on that. So, well yeah. Done. What was the book that we read? I, I'm looking at our list of books here that had the dogs, uh, the dog people on the planet. Oh, <laughs> I never finished that book. I was actually just what? thinking about that book because I was wondering if that was a type to civilization. I, I was thinking of that too. Um, I never finished it. You never finished it. Was I never a, it, finished was a, it was it. our pick. I know. I I told you at the time I never finished it. What? I don't know how it end. How it ended. I can't believe that. Yeah. I'm. I'm I did enjoy the dog people storyline though. I can't believe you didn't finish the story about dog people. Well, was, there was you know yeah. Was that Gateway by Frederick Pohl? Mm, yes. I think that's the, yeah, I think it was Gateway. Yes. No, 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 no. That was psychology. Someone write in and tell us what we did. I'll, we go, don't remember. I'll go look. You talk about, you You do the book briefing and talk about that and I'll look at the wiki. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see how this is going to work. All right. Let's talk about our book of the month, Lovecraft Country, a novel by Pat, Matt Ruff, not Pat Ruff. Um, I'm excited and we we did uh, mention a lot about this in our in our last episode, so this is not entirely a kickoff. But um, I don't know if I mentioned that Matt Ruff uh, wrote a book uh, called oh, Man. Why can't I remember anything today? Uh, <laughs> he wrote a book about a a alternate Earth where the world of Islam never fell, uh, mm-hmm. never receded, and so. America is sort of this this backwater full of fundamentalists uh, and Islam is civilization. Uh, the mirage is what mm-hmm, it's called. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of my friends even were like, oh, that just sounds like, you know, wish fulfillment. Oh, we're going to turn everything on its head. But I thought it was really well executed and really well done because it has the Islamic world advanced like the Christian world to the point where there are, you know, there's people who are in charge who are a little laxer about things, but the fundamentalist Christians are very strong in what remains of the Christian countries. Uh, and, and so it just kind of throws things, throws things on its head. It's got a little bit of a man in the high castle vibe to the ending as well. So anyway, I've read Matt Ruff before and I really liked him. I think this is a much taller challenge for him to take on. Lovecraft country is telling the story of new characters that he has invented mm-hmm. who are African-American living in the fifties in a time of extreme prejudice uh, against black people and weaving in the Lovecraft mythos in a way that does not excuse or make apologies for Lovecraft's own inherent racism, but in fact works it into the story mm-hmm. uh, as a way that I think is amazing in how it, uh, it shines a light on the black experience in the fifties and also shows that while you can hate part of what drove Lovecraft's 
philosophy, you can still find a lot of interesting entertainment in the world he created, uh, which is a hell of a trick. Yeah, it's it's impressive. It is, uh, I would say, pretty skillfully done. Yeah. Um, I'm I finished it last night. Um, <laughs> I'm like three quarters of the way through myself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the epilogue right now. Voraciously um, eating this. Yeah, I I was into it immediately, and I, yeah. I, I think he did a real. I I have to admit, um, for all the jokes that people make about me and the Cthulhu Rotica series that we we read on Vaginal Fantasy back in the day, um, I have not actually read any H.P. Lovecraft. Um, so I feel like the only thing that is really missing from my experience reading this book is the references. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like a very high level understanding of the the themes and the 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 characters throughout the monsters, et cetera. The old um, ones. And yeah, like all those stuff. kinds of things yeah. I get. Um but I do not know what other literary references in that world are happening. Um, so I would love to have a discussion on that. And maybe we could even bring someone in who's like a real expert in that area to to kind of suss it out who's who's read this. Um, I think that would be pretty cool, especially for a Halloween time episode. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, uh, I really want to encourage anyone who is African-American, especially if you're older and lived closer to you know the time of the civil rights movement and 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 remember when things were worse than they are now uh i'm curious how well matt ruff does at representing uh this it seems to me from the outside like he's doing a pretty good job but i'd, I'd be curious to know that from someone who is closer to it I agree. And in fact, I did not know he was a white guy uh, when I started reading. And it wasn't until like halfway through that I was like, is this a black author? Like, and then I was like, oh, no, no, that's a white dude. Okay. And had to kind of like not reframe my thinking, but like just think about it a little bit differently. And this is something that is true of any author. Uh, if you're writing something that you didn't directly experience, like Cthulhu, yeah, <laughs> for I mean, instance, you have to good brush writers up can on do it. These things, yeah. and you have to seek outside advice to be like, "Hey, can you double check this? Make sure I'm getting my Cthulhu right. Also, make sure I'm getting my '50s African American experience right." Uh, so he must have had a lot of of good help there. Yeah, and good, good research, readers. and he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is the same thing. The the similar conversations that we have about men writing female characters, women writing male characters, um, you know, people who are straight writing gay characters. It's, you know, it's, it's, it takes skill and it takes research and it takes empathy and it takes like a lot of careful thought and consideration if you want to do it well. And Um, it's very similar to what he did in the Mirage where he was trying to represent Islamic culture Mm -hmm. uh, and extrapolate what it would be like uh, if, if history had taken a different turn. Um, which again, from my perspective, seems like he did a great job, but I have never actually spoken to someone who has read this book and is Islamic uh, to find out what they think. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I don't want to get too spoilery yet because we're not wrapping up this book. And yeah, um, I did want to cover this stuff too. We do. Yeah. We did put up the uh, the briefing on September twenty sixth on Patreon if you're a Patreon uh, supporter. But uh, you know, rough. Uh, wrote a semi-autobiographical novel about a Lutheran minister's son who questions his faith when he was a kid uh, between 1982 and 1984. He was born in 1965. 
as a way of letting his parents know he wasn't going to be a devout Christian. And he's been writing ever since. Uh, he went to Cornell University. He married a rare book expert whom mm. he calls his best friend. They live together in Seattle. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so... Uh, Her name is Lisa Gold. Yeah, yeah, Lisa Gold. Uh I don't know why I was hesitating on outing her since I put her name in the book briefing and it's on his, <laughs> on his website. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he is a, a James Tiptree Jr. Award winner. He won the Washington State Book Award and the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association Award. Yeah. And don't forget, uh, HBO announced they are preparing an adaptation of Lovecraft's Country. Yes. Uh, with Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams as executive producers oh. and Misha Green as showrunner. Can I can't believe that. That's going to be so good. I really, I just really feel like it's going to be really good, especially with Jordan, Jordan Peele involved. Like, yeah, there's so I mean, many like feelings like get out in this in this book. There's a lot well, of that. It, he's not the showrunner, so yeah. it's always hard to predict how much influence someone has when they're executive producing like that. But I'm hoping he has a lot. And uh, side note, um, it was Fire Upon the Deep. Fire Upon the Deep was what? The book with the dog people. Fire Upon the Deep. Ugh. Gosh, really? Yeah. How long ago did we read that? Um, September first, twenty sixteen. Really? It was it's two, been that long. It was two years ago. Oh right, it was Werner Vinge. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yep. I thought it was Vinge like Hinge. Vinge like Hinge. Yes, it is. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, like Hyundai, like Sunday. I stopped looking when I got to like the Rook because I'm like, well, it couldn't have been before that. No. Oh, yeah, I went back further. Fire yeah. So it was the with the okay. um. And then the other one that you mentioned, uh, the gateway was Gate with the Hichi. Yeah, and the psychologist. Yeah. The the automatic the automaton psychologist AI kind of thing. Yeah. And this one was with the Tines for the dog people. Right. Fire the upon tines. the Tines. Never finished it. <laughs> you should finish it. Do I have to? <laughs> Do it. Do it. Do it. Don't lem vinge. I know. I know. All right. Maybe. So much good stuff out there, though. This is what I always I tell people. There's too many good books out there. To, there are to... too many good books. Anyhow, and Lovecraft Country is one of them. I think so. And I hope I you so folks will check it out as well. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, make sure you pick up Lovecraft Country. We still have got plenty of time left in the month to read it together. And, of course, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you so much so much to all of our friends who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser and Tom and I, no, no, oh, I'm still going. I'm still going. Tom and I will be at Patreon. (gasps) Oh, right. In the beginning of November in LA. And maybe we could do like a little meetup or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, let's do that. That'd be great. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Now you. Okay. Uh, Veronica has recorded the narration of my next audiobook. <gasps> it I is did. not quite up yet, but probably by the next time we do Sword and Laser, it will be. So keep an eye out on Audible for the book Gallium. <gasps> it's going to be on Audible and everything. G A L L I U M. You could also support the show by buying not just that book, but any book through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. But Jim didn't send me any pickups to do, so what if all my horrible things are in there and everybody <laughs> hates me? Jim and I both listened to it, so I think you're fine. <sighs> okay. All right. 
All right. It'll be fine. You're going to be fine. Everything's fine. Feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.